I wonder if you remember, if you're sitting here and you're with your husband or your wife or a partner, or maybe you've been out with somebody in the past, and remember, look back to your first date and the first date that you went on with the person. I suspect that when you went on that date, you were trying to leave a good impression. Am I right? Let me tell you about my first date with Nicola. I thought it would be really nice. I was a teacher at the time. I was earning money, and she was a student. And I thought it would be really nice to take her to this Italian restaurant that there was in Tunbridge Wells, down the end of a road near where I lived. It was one of those places that was genuine Italian. You know the sort of place where you walk in and the waiter shouts at somebody across the room, Hey, hello! Just as you're ordering your food. They're the best sorts of Italian restaurants. The ones where there's lots of shouting going on around you. We had a lovely, lovely meal. I think I did all right in the conversation stakes. And the time came to settle up the bill. I said, give it to me. Slid it across the table and I reached in my pocket for my wallet. And found mysteriously that I had forgotten to bring out my money with me. I had to whisper to Nick, you don't happen to have a card on you, do you? Fortunately, she did. Could have been even worse. We could have been washing up or making a runner for it at the end of our first date. I like to think I've made up for it since then, but to be honest, I've been regularly clumsy ever since. But that was my first impression. And in a sense, it was a good impression, because that's what I'm like, a bit of a wally from time to time. It matters, the impression we leave, doesn't it? The series that we began speaking about commissions us to fill the earth with other image bearers of God, taking care of it as we go. In other words, we are not so much to leave a good image of ourselves in the way that we live, but we are supposed to leave a good image of Jesus Christ as we go along. So my thought and my challenge today is how do we do that? And I'd like to say that the way we do that is by remembering how we are imprinted with the image of God. That's why we've been talking this morning about being fearfully and wonderfully made. That's why Nick led us in that prayer, that in spite of the fact that we sin and fall short of the glory of God, because of Jesus, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That's who you are. And what is your life about? Leaving behind a good impression of the truth, which is Jesus Christ. We cannot scatter, and we talk a lot about mission in this church, we cannot scatter and do mission unless we are confident about who we are in Jesus Christ. And I believe that because I think that when we do mission and we talk about our faith, we don't do it as a sales pitch. We don't pick up the gospel here and say, let me tell you about this. I wonder if you'd like to buy into it. This is what it says. What we do is we say, let me talk out of my own experience. Let me tell you about my life with Jesus. Let me tell you about how God is changing me and he can change you too. We can only do this if we let our lives daily be marked by Jesus Christ. And that's what I want to talk to you today. Of course, it, identity is an enormous issue in our world today. People, in the, if you read the press, are always talking about who, what is my identity, or a really modern phrase, what do we identify as? 
It shows the way that our world has developed, that in the past we were told what we are because that's what we are, and now we tell other people what we are because that's what we choose. That is the shift that has happened in my lifetime. Now, we may not have a real struggle with fighting against that language in talking to other people, so therefore we need to find a way to talk in that language to other people. And it's more important than ever in a world where there is a melting pot of preferences and choices to who we can be that we know who we are. Because this is where freedom lies. The writer of Scatter says that many seeking to follow God have a real problem because they lack an understanding of their true identity in Christ. We forget who we are. A person who is a Christian is somebody who, in modern language, identifies in Christ. What is your identity? I am in Christ, is what that means. That's who I am. Now, we need to unpack what that means, but the trouble is, even though we can hear that on a Sunday, when you leave here, you will switch on the telly, or listen to the radio, or you'll pick up a magazine, or you'll read a newspaper, and it will be tell you 101 other things to lend, which lend credibility to a different identity to that. We may have sub-identities within that. We've already celebrated one of mine this morning. I wear a T-shirt that says YNWA. It's a sub-identity of mine. But it's not who I am. It's not that important. What matters is Jesus. So the person who wrote the book also says Satan is on a mission to pervert everything that God has created, including our identity, to twist it subtly. The book I read, Live No Lies, says the thing about the way in which the devil tells lies, and he's very unashamed about talking about the devil and the fact that the devil tells lies, is that he doesn't tell you a big lie, he tells you a small lie, consistently. And what that does is it gradually, gradually changes your centre of gravity. So you aren't that which you are. How much of our time do we invest in anchoring our identity in Jesus? And how much of our time do we invest in anchoring our investment in Netflix? The reality is for all of us here, it might not be Netflix, it might be other things, is that there's a massive disproportion between those things. And it matters if we're going to be the church that I believe God has called us to be. We're called to scatter, but we can only be effective in that if we recover our confidence in the gospel and who we are. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Because that's, I think, what that passage that Debbie read is all about. It's about who you are. So are you with me? Do you want to go on this journey? Here we are. We begin our service reflecting on Psalm 139 that says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Can you say that to me? Do you believe that this morning? You might not. It's okay not to believe that this morning because sometimes we have to practice faith to believe that. But we believe that's true. You, no matter what you're feeling like this morning, are fearfully and wonderfully made. And especially when you remember that we say that now through the lens of Jesus Christ. So when God looks at you, he looks through the lens of Jesus and he looks at you and he looks at them and he says, they are fearfully and wonderfully made. It's who you are. You can have confidence in that. Our identity reflects the fact that we're creations of a loving God who has a a purpose for us. However, we also recognize, don't we, 
the reality of the world around ourselves and possibly the reality of the world inside ourselves. That's why Karen has come to pray with us. And the first thing, which I love that you did, Karen, is that we confessed. Because whilst we recognize that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, we also look at the world around us and our life within us and realize that we are dreadfully marred. Fearfully made, dreadfully marred. That's the reality that we live within. And we're pulled between those two different things. Both are true. Romans tells us everybody has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but we're still told that God saw human beings when they were made and they were very good. We are pulled by this because we see inside ourselves both of those things and around us both of those things, don't we? Have you seen a beautiful sunset recently? I took a picture across, uh, across just over there on the opposite side of the road that made Stopsley look like a Cotswold village from the angle that it was taken at. But it was the most beautiful sunset and I thought, God has made a wonderful creation. And then I probably fell over and hurt my knee and thought, oh, yeah, but isn't that the way? Fearfully and wonderfully made, dreadfully marred. But thirdly, we are also beautifully met in Jesus Christ. Fearfully made, dreadfully marred, beautifully met. That's who we are. We feel inside us the dismay of the world. That's what we feel when we look at the world, don't we not, at the moment? And yet we know a better truth in Christ. This is who we are. And it's as this that we leave a good impression as we go around the world. So I want to remem- remind yourself this morning, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are dreadfully marred, but you're beautifully met in Jesus Christ. That's who you are. At the beginning of the passage, and I'd like if you have got it on you, then turn back to it. It's Ephesians chapter 1, beginning at verse 4. I deliberately asked Debbie to read in the New Living Translation. If you want to follow precisely the t- form of words, here it is. It begins by saying, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. To know and identifying God issues in something, or should do. It should issue in praise. Even if you don't feel like praising, have you ever come to church and not felt like singing lively songs? Anybody ever felt like that? I don't know if anybody has, I doubt it. but uh, I've often felt like that. But sometimes you have to make the effort to praise because you know that in doing that, it reminds your heart of who you are in Christ. That's why we do it, even when we don't feel like it. It's easy to feel anxious about whether we will be deemed good enough or whether we feel ourselves good enough. But at the beginning of Ephesians 1, what is said there by Paul is that our identity is not based on our performance, on how well we do before God, will he be pleased with us, but on what Christ has already done for us. If you look carefully, there's no uncertainty in this statement. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Not we may be blessed, or we will be blessed, but we have been blessed. And how have we been blessed? Because we are united with Christ. That's the theme that runs through this passage. That's what you need to remember about who you are. Our security, our sense of who we are, comes out of relationship with God, and that's underwritten by what Jesus has already done and guaranteed in him. There are many things that we might wrestle with in our lives. Our lives are full of ups and downs. You can probably look back over your time 
as following Jesus. And there are times when it's been really easy and really good, and there are times when it's been really, really difficult. But none of that changes the truth of the fact that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Circumstances change, but truth doesn't, according to Scripture in this way. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I've told you before here, but I will tell you again, and I'm sorry if this is a repeat, but you know that my father died quite suddenly when I was 15. I wasn't even a believer before that, but I've reflected back on that quite often. On the day that Dad died, it didn't feel good, my life. It felt awful and empty. And I could point to other times since then when it's felt like that for different reasons. But Scripture says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So that means who Jesus Christ is was who he was the day before my dad died, the day after he died, and the day after, and, and, and the day that he died. Now, we either believe that or we don't. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it might be very difficult to relate to him in this place that you are at the moment, and I totally sympathize with you if that's the case. You may feel miles away from him. You may struggle to trust in him, but it doesn't deny the truth that we have been blessed in Christ. That's who we are. What matters, the fundamental thing that matters, therefore, is that we are found in Christ. Again, the question to me this week, I'm sorry, I'm talking to myself, not to you necessarily, is what am I doing to make sure that I live every day consciously in Christ? What am I doing about that? So what follows in Ephesians 1 is this. You have been blessed, but then there's like Shrek, there are layers, you know? What is it about ogres? They're like onions, they have layers. What is it about being saved? Well, it has layers, and you understand all the layers, and together that's what they mean. So let me go through these one by one. The first layer in Ephesians 1, in the message is translated this. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of his love. I'll read that again. Long before he, d- he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of his love. The security that we feel in Christ now isn't a recent fad. Jesus hasn't looked at you recently or God looked at you and look at Chris Young and thought, oh, he's a nice fella. I think I'm going to love him. Before creation came along, Jesus, God had settled his love on human, be- human beings, actually in Christ. That's what he had done. Before the world had begun, he had us in mind. And from eternity, this has worked out in Christ, again, because of Jesus and his mission, his life, his death, his resurrection, and his continuing intercession for us. He keeps praying for us. Nothing stands of the way of our being founded and established in love in Jesus. Why does God love you? Have you ever thought that? Why does God love you? It's not because of anything you've done. It's not because you look great. It's not because you smell great. Why? It's because he does. Because he's chosen to. Because he's committed to that. I believe in friendships, in any deep relationship that we have, there will be times when we don't feel like being the person that, to, to love that person. You might find that as a parent. You might find that as a husband or wife. You may not feel like it. But ultimately, love isn't about sentiment. It is about a choice. A choice that is hard and tough and that is made time and time again. And nowhere is that choice harder 
than the choice that God made to love you. I will not give up on this love for you. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So firstly, it says that we are loved from eternity. We said this love is not faddish or sentimental, but it says there that he chose us in Christ. There's no plan B about you and about God's loving commitment to you. You were chosen from the first. And all of this in spite of the fact we turn away from God. God loves us because God loves us, and he demonstrates that love to us in Jesus. We're not chosen in our sin, as if sin didn't matter. That's really important. Rather, we are chosen despite our sin and in full view of Jesus Christ. That's what makes us who we are. We remember we are fearfully and wonderfully made. There was a goodness, indeed in Genesis, a very goodness about creation. We are dreadfully marred. We know that in the way we live and the world around us. But we are beautifully met in Christ chosen in full view of the reality of the situation because of Jesus and because of the way he identifies with our sin, there's that word identity again, he stands with us and he says, I will be for them. I will identify with them in all that they are. In fact, so much so that I'm going to take on board everything that they carry and I'm going to take it as far as the east is from the west and I'm going to leave behind someone who lives in me who is set free That's who we are in Christ. That's who we are in Christ. We are loved. That's who we are. We are chosen. That's who we are. And we are holy and without fault, it says, in the eyes of God. We aren't holy and without fault. We aren't perfect. Anyone perfect here? don't think so. There's some quite good people here. But I don't think any of us are perfect. And yet, Scripture says... We are chosen to be holy and without fault in the eyes of God. How is that possible? Because we're not perfect. Well, the reason is because we are in Christ. Because we choose to live our life in him and identify with him. And that's how we continue to live in this way. How do we leave a good impression on other people if we're not perfect? Because surely we're living an impression of people who let others down. That's why people who don't go to church, in my experience, frequently say the trouble is with Christians is they're hypocrites. Do you know what my answer to that question is? Yep, absolutely we are. So are you. So is everybody. Hamlet says, God has given us one face and you have made for yourself another. That's what we all do. So how do we live to leave a good impression if we're not perfect? This is what I think. I think we confess. We're honest about our vulnerabilities. We say we've made a mistake when we've made a mistake. We own up to what we are like. And we say that what we we have found is that as we own up to that, we have found a freedom in Christ because he forgives us and trusts us. Don't leave a witness to people at your workplace if you go to work or your neighbourhood if you mix with neighbours because somehow they say they look at me and I'm living a really good life and that will mean they'll believe in Jesus. That's not the gospel. That's That's saying, look at me, aren't I good? The gospel is saying, look at me, I'm not good, but Jesus forgives me and loves me and I'm free and I want to share that with you. 
How do we do that? Painfully. We've in all humility. How do we live with each other authentically unless we do that? That's what we do. We, we confess our shortcomings and we trust in God as we go in it. We choose that our identity, not in the fact simply that we are loved and chosen, but also, I believe, in the fact that we are commissioned to go as people like that and to leave a good impression, putting the heart of Christ on the throne of our intentions. So this week, how do we fill the earth with other image bearers of God, taking care of it as we go? Well, we make sure that we fill ourselves with the right stuff before we go anywhere. And we carry that with us when we go out. We are loved, we are chosen, we are holy in God's sight because we're found in Christ. And all this happens within a new framework of relationship because it then says that God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. One of the ways that I understand my faith is this. I believe that God is Trinity. We don't talk about that a lot in church, do we? Trinity. It's one of those technical things. Have you, did you go to a youth group? I never went to a youth group. I wasn't a Christian then. But in youth groups, they do things like, you know, God, he's a bit like a Mars bar because he's chocolate and he's toffee and he's nougat. That's who God is. He's a bit like a Mars bar. You know what God's like? He's like a cheese and pickle sandwich because he's not just bread or cheese or pickle, but he's a cheese and pickle sandwich. Well, that's all very well. That kind of helps you, kind of ontologically. What a great word that is, Look. Um, I like to use words like that sometimes. It doesn't help you functionally at all. What does that mean? God is like a Mars bar, friends. Would you like to follow him? What it means is this, that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are always on the move in love with each other. There's this life within them which is going out from themselves and embracing the world and seeking to make all things new. And it's happening all the time, moving between these people. And when you become a Christian, do you know what God does? The three of them get together and they put their arms around you. And you're caught up in the embrace of this movement of love. You're adopted into the family. That's why in Matthew 28, when it says, go and make disciples, teaching them to, to do everything that I've commanded them to do, he then says, and baptize them. How, what does he then say next? Do you know? Baptize them in the name of the... And of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Because when he, you, we come up from the water of baptism, when we do that, as Becky did just recently, God's Spirit is looking down at you and saying, You are embraced in the love of God. You're found in Christ. That's who you are. That's who you are. And somehow we realize that when we realize that you and me, my friends, are brothers and sisters. You might not think of me as your friend, fair enough. Hopefully you want me to be your friend. <laughs> I want to be your friend. But whether you believe it or not, you are my brothers and sisters, if I believe that. We are family. Sometimes family get on like a house on fire, and sometimes family get on like a house on fire. <laughs> but we are family, that's who we are. So we need to remember that as we move forward in Christ. We were embraced in the love of God. So we scatter with the commission to leave a good impression on those bearing the image 
of God. We remember that we are loved eternally, chosen to be holy in Christ, adopted into the family, held within the embrace of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And all that leads back to the first verse that says, all praise to, to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we remember who we are, we want to praise God, don't we? I love it when I stand in the front row here. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you're, you're, you're really warmed up, you lot, when, when we worship. And I stand in the front row and it's like, ooh, what's that behind me? And sometimes I stand there and I look around and say, is anybody actually there? When we remember who we are in God, we want to praise God. Not just because the tune's quite nice, oh, I like this one, I'm going to sing this one, but because the heart of it needs proclaiming. That's why we do this. And furthermore, the reality of that, I believe, is communicated through the Holy Spirit. And this comes towards what I'd like us to do in response in a few minutes' time. Ephesians 1.14 says, The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. The Spirit, according to this verse, is that living thing which lives in you, that living person who lives in you, that fans into flame the reality of who you are. How do you access this? Well, that's a big question, and to be honest, I don't think I have the answer. There's lots of people who will tell you mechanics of how you do that. I don't know. But I think what you do is you pray. You do all the stuff that's the boring, mundane stuff that everyone always tells you. You need to pray regularly. You need to have fellowship with other Christians. You need to read the words of the Bible. And you need to go and be faithful when you go. I'm going to ask for prayer this morning because I want to be filled with the Spirit again because I'm feeling tired at the moment. I don't want to feel tired. Maybe I just need to feel tired for a moment. Maybe I need to slow down. Maybe I need to have a bit of space. I don't know. But that's what I feel like at the moment. But I don't want my tiredness <coughs> to stop me from leaving a good impression this week. Not of me, but of Jesus. so important to get that bit, you know, about not being about perfection, but about confession and looking towards Jesus. Because let's face it, I've been here 13 years now and I've let you down loads of times. I haven't been what I should have been. I've not responded the way you'd have liked me to. Not been there during COVID and the way you'd wish me to, to ring you up. I never intended any of that stuff. But I'm just a human being like you. And I'm not perfect, but Jesus is, and I trust in him. And I need to identify him. It's who I am. It's who I am. So to close with, I just want to say this. To scatter as image bearers, we do need to know who we are and to be confident in that. There's so much in the world going on at the moment that makes us lack confidence in who we are in Christ. So many different voices coming at you from every different department. To go back to that book I said I read at the beginning, in the book he says, why does every day feel like a battle just to stay faithful, to keep following Jesus? Here's an idea. Maybe because it is. Let me read that to you again. Why does every day feel like a battle just to stay faithful, to keep following Jesus? Here's an idea. Maybe because it is. Because it is a battle. Our confidence in Christ is a battleground. 
We live in a world where competing understands abound, confusion mounts, and where an enemy exists who's trying to undermine everything, discrediting faith and drawing us away from the very identity that is ours. So what do we do? Just a few suggestions. I'm talking to myself as much as you this week. We need to remember not to look everywhere to figure out who we are with all the different things that are coming up our minds. Because so much of that just isn't true. And at the very least, in faith, if we believe the truth is in Jesus, we need to invest time in looking to him to remember who we are. We have to do that. We shouldn't spend our time going around thinking, I'm not good enough. It's easy to feel like that. I spent years feeling like that. But it's a lie. I am good enough in Christ. I'm intended. I'm purposed, and so are you. So are you. Don't let that voice rule you. It's also a lie or a mistake to go around thinking, if only I was like that person over there. They're so much more sorted than me. Has anyone you ever felt that? You have this conversation. Oh, look at that person in church over there. They're so much more sorted than me. I've been a pastor for a while. Can I tell you a truth? They're not. They're not. There isn't a single person here who's like that. And besides which, you know at the end of John's Gospel, and it says Jesus is talking to Peter, and he's just said, yes, I love you, I love you, I love you. And then Peter says something. Do you know what he says? He says about John, the beloved disciple. He's walking along with Jesus. He's just got it right. I love you three times. We're back together. And he says, yeah, what about... And by the way, Peter, you may have to die for your faith. All right, okay. What about him, that other one? Jesus answers, what about him? It's nothing to do with you. Follow me. I find that generally speaking, when we are concerned about what other people are thinking and feeling about us and saying about us, the answer is, they're not thinking about you at all. Or talking to me, you're not that interesting. They're far more tied up with themselves the whole time. Most people aren't thinking about you, they're thinking about themselves. Or they're only thinking about you in the way it affects them. Because we're fundamentally selfish. So don't believe the lie that you're not good enough. Don't go to the world to believe whatever comes your way with that unquestioningly. I'm not saying don't think about those things, but unquestioningly to go to that and assume that. Here's an example. You watch Friends compulsively, like we did at Bible College every Tuesday night going through. Friends was coming out. It's quite funny, friends. I quite like that. I like the man who goes, hey, how you doing? All that sort of stuff. I like all that stuff. But what you unconsciously assume is that by the end of this is that what life is really about is these really close friends and to sleep around quite a lot with people and then to talk about each other and ultimately possibly find the one, which is what they're all about. Ironically, finding the one is what everybody's after about. But it's a lie to, to assume that the right thing to do is to go sleeping around to find that piece. It is not the way to find the way. The way is to follow Jesus Christ and trust that it will come to you as it comes. We are to find our true identity in Christ. And we do that by living our lives with each other, by praying, by reading the scripture, and by being filled with the Spirit. So in a moment, we're going to have a chance to worship. I've finished. But it... As this week goes on, here's a little practical reminder. Sometimes Nick will say to me, he should go like this at me, Steve, 
Steve, like that. I'm going, what are you talking about? And it's usually because I put on a jumper inside out, which I've been wearing the whole day, or something like that, or my trousers back to front, or something like that, you know. Shoes in the wrong feet, something like that. There are two types of people, person in the world. The person, which one are you? The person who thinks carefully about what they're going to wear each day and the person who puts on whatever they find when they get to the wardrobe. I'm the second type of person. That's why, I don't know if Scott, Scott and Jane are here. I think Jane might be here somewhere. I don't know if she is. I think I saw her earlier. But um, when Scott and Jane got married, I realised when I stood up to do my talk that I had the trousers of one suit on and the jacket of another one. It didn't make any difference. I was still the same person. But here's the point. This week, when you get dressed, I want you to think about this, everything we've been talking about. Are you going to be the sort of follower of Jesus who just throws on whatever you find as you go out? Or are you going to think about what you wear that day? Are you going to think about putting on the right things, clothing yourself in the right way? Or are you just going to have... It's exactly like that, to be honest with you. If you just pick on what you, don't, what you end up wearing is a pair of trousers that don't match your jumper. Because you say you follow Jesus, but you also put on a strange T-shirt as well. And besides which, you're wearing odd shoes. This is my new fashion tip. I'm sorry, I'm just waffling now, really. I've, got, I've finished. I finished about five minutes ago. I'm just keeping going. Um, you, know, you know when you're growing, sometimes people found it quite cool to wear odd socks. Has anyone gone through a phase where they think, oh, I'm going to wear odd socks, it's quite, quite cool. I want to go a next stage. I want to institute a thing where you wear odd shoes. No one's ever done that before, have they? So maybe, maybe one week to come we'll have Odd Shoes Day where I invite you to come in here wearing shoes from two different pairs and, and, and don't care about it. That's got nothing to do with anything. But here's the point. This week when you get dressed, think about it. Think about who you are. Think about who you are in Jesus. Eternally loved. Eternally chosen. Seen through the eyes of Christ as holy and without fault. Adopted into his family. And sent to say, look at who I have found myself to be in Jesus. Would you like me to tell you something more? Amen. Amen.